Welcome to Heavily Meditated, a podcast celebrating human potential. Meditations, interviews, tools, trainings, and more designed to take you higher. Let's raise the collective consciousness together. Real quick breath, drop in. Deep breath into the nose. And exhale. All right, have some fun. Yeah. Okay, we're going to start now. All right, welcome everybody to this episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast. I'm Scott Roberts, your host and co-founder of the podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here today. As always, we're so glad to have you here listening in to this particular episode because I'm going to be talking to Marie Elizabeth Molly, who is actually a relationship alchemist and speaker. Um, she helps high-achieving women uh, cultivate uh, loving and supportive relationships, uh, as well as having success in their careers. Uh, she helps those entrepreneurs really expand their success in a creative and joyous way so that it feels natural for them, so that they're not trying to fit themselves into some sort of mold, but more learning how to tap into their internal guidance system and really learn how to cultivate that amazing relationship that they want, as well as achieve the success in business that they want. Um, She's actually uh, got a master's in Chinese medicine uh, and over 20 years of client work. So she actually really teaches women how to fully and authentically, um, you know, like I said, show up for themselves, for their partners, for the work that they do in a, in a very, very authentic way for themselves. And she's been featured in the Native Influence, Thrive Global, as well as Forbes. We're super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, great. Well, so let's so let's get into it right away. We'll, we'll we'll clear up any sort of questions that everybody has. What exactly does it mean to be a relationship alchemist? Well, Scott, I coined that term because I see relationship as a path of growth, just like entrepreneurship. It's really a powerful way for us to see ourselves in the mirror right. of the other person, in the mirror of our reactions to the person and yeah. to the things that go on in our lives. In this way, we can we can actually use relationship to, to grow, to mm -hmm. learn more about ourselves, to teach ourselves how to show up powerfully, authentically, just like my intro says. And yeah. so the alchemy part lies in being willing to go into the areas that may not be so comfortable, the areas that may not already be shining right. like gold. You know, alchemy <laughs> right. is about turning base metal into gold. Yeah. And I feel like base metal is our reactivity, our unconscious places where we kind of go to sleep and go on automatic pilot and we're not yeah. showing up fully in our lives. And so relationship is such a powerful location where we can perform that alchemy, become more conscious, mm -hmm. really see ourselves, learn how to show up more powerfully so we can have the results we want, so we can have yeah. the love we want. Yeah. And so uh, I, I created that term to really express the magic and power of relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really amazing too, to think about, you know, in terms of, yes, there are aspects of your relationships that are solid gold, fantastic, shiny, sparkly, beautiful, but then 
Yeah, a lot of people just don't want to look at the rusty metal that's down below that needs some attention and some polishing. So that's exactly yeah, that's really a great and, analogy. I love and, that. Yeah, and, and the reason I love it too is that it's not about cutting off or discarding anything. You know, right. it's that rusty metal. It's I, the, the 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 other image that I love is the lotus, right? Mm-hmm. No, no mud, no lotus. So it's a similar principle for me with alchemy. You work with what's here. You get present to what is and then learn how to work with it in such a way that you integrate it. And it's that process of integration that creates Mm -hmm. gold. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so important learning how to integrate that into everything that you do. So yeah. You know, tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with, you know, female entrepreneurs and, and really teaching them how to, I guess, work on their intimate relationships, their loving relationships, and how that correlates with the work that they do? I love this question because for a lot of us as entrepreneurs, our relationships tend to take a backseat. And I know that that was true for me for much of my adult life. I would be prioritizing my clients, prioritizing, you know, the speaking or whatever it was that I was doing. And invariably, my partner whoever they were at the time would say, hey, what about me? You know, you, you always put them first. Oh. And so I, I, and, and after my divorce <laughs> in, <laughs> in 2012, I really d- decided, you know what, I have to hack this, this final frontier of my life, this one area that has just yep. been so challenging for me. I've always loved my work and I've always had a kind of clarity and intuition and ability oh. to follow myself there. Mm-hmm. And in relationships, it was just more challenged, I think, because we have so much more conditioning based on our family of origin, the movies, what we see culturally. We don't have models for healthy relationship that much. We have all sorts right. of models for amazing business people, but yeah. we don't we don't see in the culture a lot of amazing relationships. I mean, Michelle and Barack Obama are an example of people who have had huge success and really prioritized their relationships. So you can yeah. tell there's a spark there right. between them and respect. But that's not true for a lot of us. So, yeah. uh, so <laughs> I've forgotten the question. But uh, <laughs> the reason why this is important for us as entrepreneurs is that the more lit up we feel at home, the more mm-hmm. we are loved and, and giving mm-hmm. love and receiving love and feel fulfilled and happy, we have much more natural radiance to bring to our right. work. We can actually succeed with less effort and we don't have to go so much into the striving and pushing and um, calculating and strategic part of ourselves. You know, we can, we can use that when it's necessary, but we have access to our magic, to our magnetism, to our joy, to our pleasure. And I think that's the missing link for many of us who love our work is we forget that there's a way to do it that has so much more fun and ease in it. And part of how we learn how to do that is by prioritizing our relationship. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, so, so spot on, you know, just seeing so much in the entrepreneurial world that there's, you know, couples that work together as entrepreneurs, or one of them is learning to be an entrepreneur and the other maybe still has their office job. Um, and we saw it a lot 
you know, um, my wife and I, Emily, we we started back in the entrepreneurial role back in, I guess, around 2009. And we worked mm-hmm. together building our first company and then our, you know, sub- our, our subsequent companies since then. And we started with a really good relationship. That was just something that we had naturally, the way that we grew up, the way that we learned to love. So that was very natural for us. But along the way, we met so many couples that were either one was becoming an entrepreneur and doing their own thing and the other wasn't, or they were trying to do it together. But so Mm -hmm. often we saw them splitting apart and growing in different directions and not being able to nurture that amazing relationship that they could have together as a couple because they got so wrapped up in business and just forgot to turn off that mode. (laughs) I love that you said that. They forgot Mm -hmm. to turn off that mode. That's beautiful. That's the key because Mm -hmm. I believe, you know, I'm all for being full on in your business. Right. And I'm all for transitioning and being full on at home, whatever that looks yeah. like for you. But they're not the same full on. They feel different. Right. And so the key is to cultivate a kind of my my former coach calls it a kind of energetic agility. I've taken that term mm-hmm. from her, Alexander yep. Stockwell, because I love this term energetic agility. It's not about cutting any part of yourself off. It's not about, um, you know, going back to the 1950s idea of what a wife should be. It's not about any of that. Like we are so far beyond that at this point in our culture and, and world, Yeah, at least in the West. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, it's what it is about is learning to bring yourself fully to each location of your life in in the way that matches it like you don't behave the same at your mom's house as you do at church as you do at the football game as you do when you're surfing as you do in yoga class like you and it's not a disservice to yourself it's it's to me it's being agile enough to recognize ooh, this part of me is the part that needs to come out here. So I'm going to amplify that here. And then this part of me needs to come out over here. Maybe in my partnership, I need to do more listening. But you know, when I'm in the office, I'm the CEO and I'm barking the orders, whatever it is, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, what I'm hearing there that it sounds like is so important is, is being really aware of how conscious you are in your thoughts around your relationship. Absolutely. And how and how conscious you are about who you're being. Mm-hmm. Right? Because so yeah. much of our life is involved in doing, right? We do, do, do yeah. all day long. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But without that simultaneous awareness of, well, who am I being as I do all these great things, mm-hmm. it then can often backfire in our relationship because our beingness is who our partner wants the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's totally it. You know, when you're, when you're tapped into yourself and you're aware of who you are as a person, how you're being in the world, that's automatically going to create a greater connection because then you're more in tune with not only yourself, but you're able to then create a great connection with, you know, whoever you're with, whether that's in business or whether that's in a romantic situation. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's really great. Beautifully said. Mm -hmm. And I, and and I mean, this is why I like to say like, 
I mean, it's such a common phrase now. T. Harvecker said it, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. Do everything, yeah. And and so for people who tend to prioritize their work and don't put energy into their relationships, I say mm-hmm. this, it's hurting your work if you don't. Right. And that access to your own being that you cultivate through meditation, that you cultivate through any kind of awareness practice, it's access to that being that serves you in everything you do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so important. I, I, I really hope that anybody that's listening to this, especially somebody that's in the entrepreneur world, that they're hearing how important it is to not just be focused on maximizing your potential and being the ultimate person that you can be in business, you can apply that same strategy and that same effort and energy into your relationship. Absolutely, you can. And it's going to expand you in a different way than it will your business, because the part of you that you're driving to expand in business is a very necessary and wonderful part of you. And the part of you that you can expand in your relationship through learning mm-hmm. how to listen more, through learning how to be more vulnerable, to, yeah. through learning how to be more transparent, let someone in, handle your reactivity when they do something that bugs you. Mm-hmm. And so you can ask for the thing you want without, you know, smacking them over the head with, with charge about yeah. it. Uh, all of those things also serve you in your work. Yeah. like. For example, you know, if you learn how to handle it when your partner does something that bugs you at home, mm-hmm. the next time you're in a team meeting and somebody does that thing, like they chew their food loudly if that's your issue, or they slurp their tea or whatever, you have more bandwidth with which to address that behavior with the team member without you know, smacking them with your charge, for example. So it all, I feel like, it all serves to increase your bandwidth, to increase your skill, to increase your ability to both be the person you want to be and mm-hmm. have the love and connection and sales and all of it that you want. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so much in there. That's just total wisdom nuggets. <laughs> that's fantastic. I hope anybody that's listening is, 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 is really picking up on this about how important it is to be aware of who you are in your relationships, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, but just being aware of who you are is such a huge step in, in, in so many ways towards building a really strong relationship. And I know um, in, some, in some other things that I've watched you speak on that you've talked a little bit about how like you can have a, a, a conscious um, relationship and that when you practice like, I guess, you know, when you practice that consciousness in your relationship, that, that, that serves you in every area of your life. Absolutely. So I know you talked about that a little bit with your business, but, but, but yeah, that's, I think that's just such an important point. Yeah. I, I really view all of it as practice. And so mm-hmm. I want to, I want to land that what I'm talking about is not some kind of buttoned up perfect, robotic, like, oh, I never get mad, you know, kind of existence. What I'm talking about, the kind of awareness and alchemy and consciousness that I teach people to practice in their relationships actually leads to more freedom. 
It leads mm-hmm. to more authenticity. You know, if you uh, if you if something bothers you, you let the person know about it, but you right. let them know in a way that they can hear. You don't just clobber them with it because otherwise it right. doesn't get in, right? right. So. What I've found over time in our relationship, I've been with my partner, Patrick, now for five and a half years, and this is really oh, the most conscious, thank you, the most conscious, mm-hmm. um, playful, amazing relationship I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And because we both come to the relationship for our own growth, it's mm-hmm. we have so much play here. So even when we're fighting, there's playfulness in our fighting. There's, right. there's the ability to shift on a dime. For example, mm-hmm. I'd love to share a tip with your listeners. Could I do that? Oh, so, absolutely. So I love to teach people to, uh, that they're on the same team because it's so easy to forget, especially if we've been conditioned to be independent and do things ourselves. We don't kind of have uh, a baseline understanding of people being on our team and that it's okay to ask for help and things like that. So what Patrick and I found a lot in our early years together was I would be very stressed out about something and then I would get frustrated with him and blah, 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 blah. And and he would stop and he'd say, but I'm on your team. Like, why are you fighting with me? Like I'm on your team. Yeah. And so we, we worked out, uh, We've actually named our team. I suggest that my clients name their teams because that's another level of play and fun you can inject into the conversation. So we've named our team, Team Love Bomb. And now when we're having a fight, we start arguing about something. One One or the other of us will stop and say, hey, 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 same team. Like if we looked at this from Team Love Bomb, what would we want to do? Or how would we see it? So in this way... In the middle of a fight, we can stop and pivot and look at the situation from the perspective of same team instead of, you know, fighting to the death to win, Right. (laughs) which is so often how it tends to go. You know, it's like, oh, if I don't win this argument, my entire way of seeing the world is going to fail. You know, no, no. Like if you recognize that your partner actually loves you, they want the best for you. I mean, in a healthy relationship we're talking about here. They want the best for you. You want the best for them. And if you just get off your positions for a second and look at the thing together from same team, Mm -hmm. sometimes you'll do it one way. Sometimes you'll do it the other. Sometimes a third creative solution will show up. That was neither of the initial ideas because the relationship called for that third solution. And the only way you saw that is by starting from same team. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, and uh, again, one of my favorite things to say to myself whenever I'm finding myself getting drawn into an argument over something, you know, your ego gets activated and you start, you know, thinking how much you want to be right and how much you want to prove that you're right. And then I try and ask myself the question all the time, like, okay, is it more important to me right now to be right or to be happy? And I want to be happy. (laughs) Such a great question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you want to be right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Yeah. And then it's good to be upfront. Like, I mean, that's a spot I would get transparent. Like, wow, I'm noticing that I really want to be right here. And it's it's overcoming my desire to stay connected with you. Like, I need to step out for a minute and calm myself down and I'll be back. Like that's something that one could say in that situation. If you find yourself overcome by the need to be right over the need to stay connected and loving with your person, 
you know, take a time out. I think timeouts are super underutilized by adults. And yeah. in that timeout, you're not rehashing the argument. What you're doing is stabilizing your nervous system. Right. You know, that's the key. You're doing some breath work. You're stretching, yeah. doing maybe doing some yoga poses. You're doing some qigong. You're shaking out your body. If you have yeah. a lot of energy in your body, you're shaking it out. Yeah. You're doing whatever you can to come back to center. You know, there might be too much energy to sit, but if it works for you to sit, then sit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're doing whatever you can to get back to center so that you can re-enter the conversation from a more resourceful place. Yeah. And not yeah. lop their head off, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, you you know, you touched on something there that, you know, we've talked about before on the show that's so important, I think, when we're talking about how you deal with stress. So many people think of meditation as being like, okay, well, I'm super agitated and I'm, I'm really wound up and I'm in an argument. Okay, I just need to sit down and be calm and breathe. That may not be the right choice for you at that moment. If you've got all this pent up energy, the worst thing you can do is try and stop that, yeah. push it down and use your breath to control that. Instead, you need to move it. You need to get it out of you, yes. whether that means doing some crazy vocal work to get it out or whether you're you know doing some deep breathing and moving your body doing qigong doing yoga asana i mean that's shaking so important. pounding a pillow any of yeah. those options yeah something just to get I that agree. energy out of you i agree because when you try to sit when you're in that activated state it mm -hmm. it i love that you use the word suppress because it's just not about that you know, it's right. not about suppressing things and being this calm, cool, you know, yeah. perfectly put together person all the time. I think that that yeah. is something that's entered the culture somehow, and it's not right. <laughs> it's just right. not right. You yeah. know, and, and and I'm going to say on the flip side, it's also not right to be vomiting your unmediated crap all over everybody either. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah. a, there's a happy medium where you're not suppressing your stuff to seem okay. And you're not vomiting your, you know, unmediated stuff all over people. That's where self-regulation comes in and tending. Yeah. I really teach people to tend to themselves in this yeah. way. Take a time out. Ask yourself what you need to come back to resourcefulness. Take a moment. You know, in that moment, your system is overloaded and you right. need to give it a moment to come down. It's like it's buffering. The computer, yeah. you know, you've got the pinwheel of death going on in your system <laughs> and you need to right. just like restart. You need to pause, hit the reset button, give yourself yeah. the kindness yeah. of caring for yourself enough to do that. And then you can re-enter the conversation from a new place. So that's yeah. neither suppression nor it is just vomiting expression. You know, there's a right. there's a happy medium where self-regulation occurs and it occurs not from a place of feeling wrong about yourself it occurs mm -hmm. from a place of self-love mm -hmm. yeah i think that is that is definitely a you know one of the keys to it is is knowing that everything that you do within your relationship is about taking care of yourself and giving yourself permission to be yourself and also learning about who you are um, really getting in touch with yourself, you know, finding out exactly who you are, what motivates you, what, you know, activates your ego, you know, all those different sides of it, and really learning all about yourself so that, 
you can actually enjoy your life and enjoy your relationship with your partner and then be there with them. Oh, that's so beautifully said. And that reminds me of another, another image I like to make about relationship, really about the kind of relationship that I love to teach people how to have, mm-hmm. which is the relationship is both the grist for the mill. You know, it's the thing yeah. that brings up your stuff like nothing else does. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also the loving, supportive place of home that gives you, that helps you have the safety and love you need to confront the stuff that comes up in the, that's being brought to the surface. So, so I see an alchemical relationship as just that it's both the loving, unconditional support that you can have with the partner and Mm -hmm. the same partner is bringing up the stuff you need to see and, and work through and get free with so that you can be more of yourself. Yeah, that's that. I definitely sparked something in me there thinking about it's, you know, I think so often people think, oh, well, if I have the perfect relationship with my partner, then we're always happy. There's never any disagreements. We're always on the same page never any challenges, everything is just perfect, smooth sailing. And that's a very unrealistic idea. I mean, we're, we're going well, to and have... If, and if that's the relationship, then somebody's not speaking their truth. Yeah, really. and it's probably kind of boring. <laughs> probably. Eventually, it gets yeah. kind of... Like somebody's yeah. going to pick a fight just to get a little energy in there at yeah. some point. <laughs> something, yeah. I mean, you know, there needs to be passion and you know, yeah. excitement in a relationship. Yeah, I mean... Right, you know, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. You know, not not holding your feelings back because you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. And instead, you're just bottling everything up and never saying what you feel. And then eventually, you know, you'll just get to a point where somebody says something about, hey, could you pick up a sock? And suddenly it's a full-blown argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, I've been waiting for you to say something that I could argue with you about. <laughs> I've been holding on to this thing that I've got going in the back of my mind for like three weeks and I finally got the chance to say it to you. Oh my God, that's so accurate. And then here's the list of every single time in the past three weeks, I didn't say something about it, right? Then you get the litany. Oh yeah. Or that time 10 years ago when you, (laughs) yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's so true. And, and so, you know, what I prefer as a model is that you work with yourself to understand what your triggers are, to understand what's coming up, to understand when you get activated. For example, one of the main things I teach is that your complaints are a veiled desire. Mm -hmm. And it's much more effective in your relationship to use your complaints to teach you about what your desires are than to constantly complain to your partner. Because if you use your complaint to get clear about what the desire is underneath it, then you can ask clearly for the desire and you're more likely to get it because it'll feel good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that feels good just hearing that. Doesn't it feel good? I mean, (laughs) so here's an example, you know, oh my God, you use your, like you're on your phone all the time. Would you just put your phone down, please? Like, would you just, I mean, we're eating dinner. Come on. Like, just put your phone down. Like, what could you possibly be doing right now that's so important that you can't be here at dinner with me? That's kind of how it tends to go, right? Instead, if you ask yourself, well, what is it I really want? 
You know, I'm noticing they're on their phone a lot at dinner. That's bugging me. What do I want? Oh, I want their attention. And then it's, and then the next thing is usually like, oh my God, that's super vulnerable. I can't believe I want their attention. What's wrong with me? Right. And then you make that okay. It's okay to want their attention. And then next time you're at dinner and they pick up their phone, it's like, hey, I want your attention. Would you put down your phone? You know, hey, I'd love to have a dinner with you where we both don't take out our phones the whole time. How about it? You want to do that with me? Like you make an invitation from your desire. And, you know, if the relationship is, you know, if it's not so far gone that they're just like, (sighs) right? I mean, if there's potential for a deeper connection again, they'll put down their phone because you made an invitation that felt good. And you didn't yeah. shame them for the thing they were doing. Shaming yeah. just doesn't work. It doesn't make your partner want to be around you anymore. Then, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it and it and it puts them into a space of defense automatically. Like they're like, "Oh, I'm being attacked. <laughs> I gotta, yeah. I gotta come up with an excuse really fast, or you know, exactly, I've gotta come up with something here." So. Right. And that defensiveness makes them push back and then the distance gets greater and it just all feeds on itself. And this is how one person can actually transform a relationship. I often, I usually work with one person in a couple. Occasionally I coach couples, but mostly I work with one person. Mm -hmm. And I find if that person starts showing up differently, like they, they start getting to know what their complaints are teaching them about their desires and they advocate for their desire by asking for it directly and simply and invitingly, the relationship starts to turn around and they start to get closer again and they have more fun. And, and oh, yeah. the part, you know, there's so much changes when yeah. one per- person commits to showing up differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and if it doesn't well, change, that means other things. It means maybe it's not salvageable, right? But, it, right? but you don't know. You don't know if it's salvageable until you've tried showing up differently in it. Yeah. It's like, well, let's see, I've been screaming at this person for weeks and they're not getting any better. They must yeah. be, uh, you know, oh, you know, right. they just can't change. <laughs> they just can't, they just can't change. Exactly. Oh yeah. my God. You said it. You said yeah. it. Uh, well, there's it's like, what well, there's if I tried not things. screaming? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, there's, well, you know, when I'm, you know, hearing you talk about arguing and relationships and, 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 you know, what you can do yourself. There's like two things that come up that I, that I really want to talk about. So we're going to try and I'm going to try and remember to ask both of them, but, (laughs) but, but, but first the piece of it that I wanted to ask about was um, you did mention that often you coach individuals, even though they may be in a relationship. So that's something I really want to touch on is like how, important it is for people to learn that they can receive coaching around a relationship without necessarily having to be there with their partner every step of the way, but that they can actually become so good at knowing their own internal state and being able to communicate it that it can actually help their relationship so much. So that's one thing I really want to talk about. And then the other piece that really came up for me during that was thinking about how knowing yourself just keeps being such a theme in this and how mm-hmm. being really in tune with your internal state is, is, is such an important part of it that I definitely want to talk about what sort of practices and tips you have for our 
um, listeners all that you know have to do with getting to know themselves. So you pick whichever one you want to go with first, and we'll go there. <laughs> wow, I love these. Yeah, so let's start with the first one. So, and I'll and I'll tell a story. I had a client who was um, who came to me. They'd been married for twenty eight years. The husband was threatening divorce, and she really wanted to save the marriage. And he was unwilling to get counseling and he was also unwilling to get coaching. So she was really at her wits end, like something has to happen and he's not willing to do anything. And it's like, okay, yeah. great. We can, we can do this. And uh, through our work together, she got to the root of some of the uh, self-esteem issues, the lack of confidence, the all the historical baggage that was informing how she was showing up. And she really applied herself, I mean, yeah. so beautifully mm-hmm. to showing up differently, to making a different invitation, to noticing when she got activated and want to smack back at him and not doing it mm-hmm. and just leaving the room instead or do it, pivoting and changing the conversation. Like she really learned to Aikido with his oh, yeah. critical ness. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. make a word here with his criticalness. Yeah. With, yeah. uh, with this critical way of being with her, she learned to Aikido that and no longer take it on. Mm. And he began to spontaneously offer her compliments. He began to help out more around the house. He began to say yes when she asked him if he would help out with the cooking. He began, you know, he really started to shift his behavior. He would still, because he got energy from her reactivity, he would still send barbs and try to get her to react because it was a way that he got energized. But once she saw that that was happening, she just didn't give him that anymore, you know? And eventually it's, it shifted because it's like, Oh, I'm not getting energy in this old way. And wow, it actually kind of feels good to have her thanking me for doing something. So maybe I'll do that again. (laughs) You know, so he started to shift his behavior to the point where, you know, they saved their marriage, they're more connected, they have more fun together, all of all of the things shifted. And even as he still sometimes tries the old stuff, we haven't worked together in about a year. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, it could have evolved even further since the last time yeah. we worked together. But, yeah. uh, you know, because she was able to begin to maintain her state, and she also began saying no, and I don't mm-hmm. like being spoken to that way. And I'm going to leave the room now. I love you. And I'll be back. But that's not okay. So she started setting a boundary around how she was willing to be spoken with. Yeah, the whole thing turned around. Yeah. And that was just from working with one person in the, in the partnership. Yeah. Now, you know, I have another client uh, with whom that wasn't the case. You know, the more she tried to speak up for herself, the worse it got, and it became clear that it was over. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it it really yeah. depends on the situation. But yeah, um, I treat relationships and as, as research. I love showing up and teaching my clients to show up in their relationships in an experimental way. Well, if I do this, what happens? If I do that, what happens? Okay, last time that happened. Okay, now I'll pivot and I'll try this way. And, and in that way, nothing is ever so pass-fail that you have to feel terrible, like, oh, my God, it didn't work. It's like, it's just research. We're, yeah. just, we're just learning the landscape. You know, if I, if I do this, what happens? If I do that, we're gathering data. Yeah. And then with the data, we can make an informed uh, 
I don't know what the word is, we can make informed decisions about how to show up. Right. But when we're just acting out of default, as we all do till we learn better, yeah. all we know is how we saw our parents do it, how we saw the people in the movies do it, how we saw you know the kids at school, their parents do it, like right. how people did it at our church or, or synagogue or mosque, you know, whatever our background is. Like all we know is how we've seen people do it. Right. So we've developed a kind of default that doesn't serve us because it's yeah. unexamined. Right. So once we start examining it and trying out new things, everything becomes possible. Yeah. It, it, it just, you know, and we get to know ourselves in the process. Bonus. So right. that's the first one. And the yeah. second one, remind me, just give me a, a jog <laughs> on what yeah. the second one was. Yeah. So, it, you know, it has to do with why it's so important, but also what, like, techniques and tips and that sort of thing that you might want to share with our listeners as far as like getting in touch with yourself as a person in a relationship and how that can improve that exact relationship that you're in. Beautiful. Well, here we are on the heavily meditated podcast. So number one, <laughs> I'm going to suggest to meditate, <laughs> right, Scott? Yeah. It's good. It's a good yeah. thing to do. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, uh, I really believe in being with yourself. And one of the most beautiful ways to be with yourself is in meditation. And there's so many different kinds of meditation, so I'm not going to yeah. go into that. But for the purpose of just getting to know yourself, what I suggest is to sit down and feel your breath, put your attention on your breath, and feel what's happening in your body, like a basic mindfulness kind of meditation, where and if you want to take a piece of reactivity or take something that bothered you, for example, and hold it as you feel your body, learn, like, well, what does that activate in my body? Where do I feel that upset? Is it my chest? Is my stomach clenched? Am I holding my butt really tight? Like, what is it? You know, is my neck and shoulders what gets activated? So you start to get to know in your body what gets activated by different experiences when you're upset, when you're happy, when you're in love, when you're scared. So you start to get to know your body intimately because your body is your teacher of your feelings. Your body holds your feelings. Your mind holds your thoughts. Your body expresses your feelings. Yeah. And many of us have not built that link very well. So the kind of meditation I'm suggesting is kind of a simple being with yourself and feeling your body and, and learning what gets activated when. So that when you're out in your day and you become aware, oh, my shoulders are getting tight, then you know like, oh, that means I'm getting stressed out or that means I'm pissed off right now. or So that as your body cues different things throughout the day, you know what they mean because you've spent time researching it with yourself in a meditative way. And you can yeah. journal about it too, so that you kind of start to see patterns. I'm a big fan of journaling for that yeah. reason. Absolutely. So I think that's a great place to start is to get to know what yeah. your body's telling you. Yeah. And without labeling it as a feeling right away. Right. Just getting to know the sensation. Mm -hmm. Oh, when I think about this person, my stomach hurts. Yeah. 
When I think about that person, my shoulders gets tight. When I think about this work situation, my feet start to itch because I want to run out the room. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> oh, when I think about that person, oh, my head hurts. I just get so heavy in my head. Yeah. And then the next question is like, what's that about? That's where your journal comes in handy. What's that about? And and let your inner guidance tell you what's that about mm -hmm. without trying to label it too soon. Yeah. Yeah, that's so yeah, yeah, that's so important. Well, and you know, it makes me think of a story. So when I when I went through one of my first yoga teacher trainings years and years ago, um, they actually as as part of any sort of uh, yoga certification that you get, you're going to have to learn anatomy really well of the body. So you learn exactly how certain movements affect each body part and that sort of thing and what's safe, what isn't that sort of thing. And so one of the things that we did was we actually went to a cadaver lab and studied bodies. Cool. And one of the wildest experiences I had was that we were in the cadaver lab and they had a body that was dissected and you could see all the nerves and all the mm. nerve centers and channels and all that. And when you look at the human body on the inside and you see all the nervous system and where all the clusters of the nerves are throughout the body, what was so crazy to me is that you can look at a picture that was drawn thousands of years ago by the ancient Vedics that were studying the human energy system and they drew what was the energetic body or yep. the chakras um you know within the body and when you look at a, a human body on the inside it's almost identical mm. because you can see where all the nerve clusters are as mm -hmm. part of the nervous system and there are distinct yep. nervous centers throughout the body that correlate with what was termed the chakras yeah, and the and so when you yeah. Look, yeah, yeah. So when you look at it, you're just like, I mean, it's almost an exact replication. And this is long before they dissected anybody, long before they looked yeah. inside. This was all just sensing energy. And that's when you, you know, you know, when you talk about where you feel something in the body when you're talking to a certain person or thinking about a certain situation, it, it really does have a very chemical, emotional physical effect in your body, thinking about yeah. different things and the experiences that you've had related to those. So that can be a big Absolutely. part of it too. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautifully said. Uh, and, and I want to, I want to say that we, we somehow we've developed this idea that I don't want to say quite that our bodies are wrong. It, mm -hmm. It's, We've developed somehow, I think it, I blame Descartes, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that for I am, but, uh, you know, we have this idea that we can sort of move through life thinking about life and that our bodies don't, you know, they're just kind of this car that gets us from place to place. Right. And, and to me, our bodies are so much more than that. And they mm -hmm. are really like a barometer and they have a lot to teach us about what's true for us. So if we spent less time trying to suppress how we felt because we're determined to think a certain way and more time actually learning our body's language, listening to those nerve clusters, what they're trying to communicate, we could be so much more aligned with ourselves and have less stress, have less physical ailments, 
be healthier because our bodies are actually feeling and 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 responding to the world in mm-hmm. this subverbal way yeah that is in many ways more accurate because it's not mediated by our thinking right and if we just had more respect for that instead of trying to shame it or mm-hmm. change it or fix it or wish it were yeah. different yeah. but instead learn to work with it yeah who how oh. our lives would change right <laughs> oh, so good <laughs> uh well yeah and you know one of the things that came up for me when you were talking about that was like just thinking about how we we really don't learn like we aren't taught as we're growing up how to become really emotionally intelligent and intelligent around what sensations in our body mean right you know, we don't really place any value on that it's not something that's really taught and instead we tend to ignore like you said like you know the gut instinct or or or, or you know something like that it's like you have a feeling in your body like a physical sensation in your body that's tied to past experiences traumas emotions that sort of thing and when your body reacts to a situation it's trying to tell you something <laughs> and it's trying right. to give you a signal whether something is going to take you down a, a you know a you know a like a like a healthy path or whether it's going to be something that's going to activate something really deep within you that's a trauma that you don't want to have to go back to exactly i mean i want to i want to say that too that i love that you brought trauma into the conversation because mm-hmm. i'm not I don't mean to be romantic here that every single signal of our body is the the epic truth, yeah. you know. Right. We we have historical experiences grooved in our nervous system mm-hmm. that have us react in certain ways and if they're trauma based, then our reactions are often incommensurate, you know, not in alignment with what's actually happening. And right. but if we try to ignore that, then we never get the chance to fully go in there and release it, you know, see what it is, work to yeah. desensitize it, learn to have an, a, a reaction that actually meets the situation as opposed to mm-hmm. is a reaction based in the trauma that happened in the past. Yeah. You know, so so sometimes we have to do quite a bit of work between where we are and having a body that responds like an accurate barometer, right? There can be yeah. many, many things that have affected the barometer in negative ways and have it be not quite yeah. in sync. So I do want yeah. to recognize that and honor that and yeah. say that that's to be honored and listened to. It's not to be forced. It's not to be right. you know, shoved down and ignored. It's not to be yeah. barreled through. We So many of us barrel through our tender yeah. and very scared childlike reactions to things because we think we're supposed to be adults or we think we're supposed to have it all yeah. together. And if you would just slow down a little bit and yeah. tend, again, tend to yourself, tend to the tender one who is having a hard time right there, you can reintegrate the places of yourself that have been left behind in past yeah. experience and actually reintegrate them and move forward more whole. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. That's, you know, thinking about how just so often, you know, 
especially not to be kind of charging around one sex or the other here, but, but, but definitely more from a masculine perspective, whether that's male or female, but still just that masculine perspective of suck it up, push through it, crying's for babies, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and I mean, that's, that's common, whether you're a man or a woman, whatever you identify is that that's still something that's often taught in our culture is just suck it up, move through it. And of course that teaches us not to really get in touch with what we're actually experiencing, what we're actually feeling, how that makes us feel and what we want instead. Like, you know, what, what do we really want? (laughs) What do we really want? And, and I, I find that I find it very sad that, you know, that that's what's come to mean masculine somehow, you know, Mm -hmm. because to me, so I I hold masculine and feminine, you know, uh, all genders have masculine in them and feminine in them. But I tend not to talk about them in those terms, just because it gets so confusing and convoluted. So I tend to talk about it more uh, of this dichotomy between doing and being. Mm -hmm. So when we're in our very focused directed, suck it up, you know, when you're, here's the thing, there's a healthy side to that. Like when you hit flow, when you're doing something creative or you're extreme athlete or whatever it is, and you're in flow, your ability to perceive pain goes down Yeah, for a reason. That's a healthy thing. And you're in flow. Like I can get on a writing jag and forget to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm in flow not because I'm suppressing my hunger, you know? So I don't, I don't like to um, ascribe that quality to the masculine because I, you know, we all have it and there's times where it's healthy and there's times where it's not. And when it's applied in the way you're talking about, suck it up, don't be a crybaby, keep going, kind of like the army, (laughs) the entire army (laughs) slogan. Like when it's applied like that, it's harmful. However, the, the flip side, because I think what happens when we split it that way, then there's a perception that's what's considered feminine is weak. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm doing everything in my whole damn life to undo that perception. Yes. Because Amen. feminine is anything but weak. And right. You know, and and the feminine as I see it, that's the beingness. That's that's our our uh I mean it depends on the tradition, but um that's movement that's the magic that's the energy we bring to what we're doing that's that's our magnetism that is and we again men and women have this it's it's our feeling it's our 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 intuition well sometimes my intuition feels more masculine i don't want to ascribe it to that but but it's it's the inchoate it's the chaos it's the feeling it's what cannot be controlled yeah that is the feminine it's the mm-hmm. it's the darkness of creation. It's the yin from a Chinese medicine perspective, my yeah. background. You know, the it's the yin. It's everything is possible. Yeah. And you know, the yang is really much more directed Force. and focused and going yeah. in a certain direction. You know. And so mm. I like to I like to look at those aspects of ourselves more in that way and mm-hmm. and get out of 
you know, the very common, I mean, culturally, we do this all the time, but the out yeah. of the sort of masculine feminine thing, because to yeah. me, they're complementary, yin and yang are right. complementary, we yes. need both, yeah. they have a light aspect, and they have a shadow aspect, there's yeah. a shadow feminine, we've yeah. all felt it, and it yep. feels <laughs> terrible. So, you know, so, uh, and that one usually looks at sniping down anything that tries to have power. Um, but, you know, so, so anyway, I just wanted to put that in there because, yeah, because I think it's part of the conversation so much around relationship is we get hung up on this idea of what's masculine and what's feminine. And I work with people of all genders. And so mm -hmm. what I notice is that there are certain dynamics that play out in relationship, no matter what your gender is, and no, yeah. ma no matter what your expression is, whether you're binary, mm -hmm. non-binary, you know, et cetera. And, yeah. and in my relationship with Patrick, very often I'm holding more of the traditional quote masculine qualities mm -hmm. and he's holding more of the traditional feminine qualities. And then we switch like it, it yeah. I believe in relationships being fluid and it's the exact with each word other. that came to my mind as you were saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I Absolutely. think, I, I mean, I'm talking about next level relating here i'm talking about yeah. conscious relating where we get to yeah. play off each other and be fully ourselves which means sometimes i want to be the guy you know and yeah. sometimes he wants to be the guy and it's all good yeah. but like but but because we know how to play with one another and shift energetically to meet the situation mm -hmm. we have more playfulness there and we don't get stuck in the more toxic mimics or more toxic expressions yeah. of those qualities that I think just emerge because people don't feel free to be themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, that's such the important part of it is like, who are you? How are you being in a relationship? Are you free to express yourself in that relationship? Um, and, and going way back to something you were talking about before, and it kind of made me think of, you know, like when we're in a relationship, especially when we first start, so often what would happen, especially for me when I was younger in my early 20s, um, single dating, that sort of thing, you would meet somebody and there's this energy and excitement when you first start dating. And then after a period of time, suddenly that person kind of changes. And often you think of it as, you know, it's like the games that people play when they first start dating. You know, they're trying to mm -hmm. put themselves out there as a person they think other people will like and will want to be with. And then after mm -hmm. they get to know you, then they're like, okay, now I can let my guard down and just be really me. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. Where was the person I was Who's dating this? two or three months? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it is that so often we think in relationships that we can't be ourselves that we're trying to play this part or whatever. And so when you bring back that, that excitement and that energy of when you first meet, essentially what you're doing is connecting to that part of you that's so playful, curious about the other person, learning and all that. And I think so often as we go down the road with somebody and, and we've been in the relationship for a period of time, maybe some of that spark and that excitement leaves because we're just honestly not being who we really are um, either from the beginning or we fall into patterns of just playing a part in the relationship so that you know you know when i hear you talking about the coaching you do you know i i think of like this playfulness and this curiosity of yourself and of the relationship itself uh. 
thank you. You just named two of my favorite words, <laughs> curiosity <laughs> and playfulness. So thank you for, yeah. for picking yeah. up on that. Yeah. And I think what happens a lot too, I'm going to bring in a third word here that I think is very important, which is attention. Oh, yeah. So once yeah. we get into the relationship, we stop paying attention. <laughs> because, you know, when you first are dating someone and you're excited and you're curious and you're learning about each other, you're very attuned right? You're yeah. paying attention to their every move, right? Yeah. And and you're paying attention to how fluttery you feel inside or that excitement or whatever it is that feels so good to be together. And over time, they just kind of become part of the furniture, as I like to say, it. you know, it's like, oh, there's my couch, there's my spouse, there's my kitchen, there's my right. table. And, and once that starts happening, your attention is has left the yeah. situation. And often, all that needs to happen to rekindle the relationship is to bring your attention back and get curious again. Yeah. Because that person you think is like the couch is still a vast, mysterious, unknowable human being. Yeah. And you, you, you may have scratched the first several layers of, of them. You may have scratched the surface or even 10 surfaces of them, but there is way more in there. And it's on you to make the invitation for them to show you more. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not creating an environment where they feel welcome to show you more, they won't. Yeah. And that's why I'm so key on this principle I talk about in relationship alchemy, which is a great relationship starts with you. Yeah, yeah. Who am I, who am I being? Mm -hmm. Am I creating a climate? I am so powerful that I can create a climate where my partner wants to open up to me or they don't. It's not yeah. their fault. And vice versa, right? They are so powerful too that they create a climate where I want to open up or not. Yeah. But in order for that cycle to work beautifully, somebody has to go first. Yeah. So I invite you to go first, whoever you yeah. is listening to this. Like, yeah. I invite you to go first, get curious, bring your attention, and be the person in the relationship with whom your partner wants to open up, wants yeah. to reveal more, wants to be more vulnerable. Because that is just magic when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean... If you think about it, what's the worst that can happen by you learning to be the person that you want to be, the ultimate version of yourself for your relationship? If that relationship ends because your partner didn't recognize that in you and doesn't want to be with that person, well, so be it. You know, it's time to move on. But now you're going to attract a person who's better suited to you because you're more in touch with who you really are and who you want to be in a relationship. Oh, yeah. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I have a story about that. Uh, when my when my husband, my, my ex-husband and I were very close friends, but we weren't great suited. We weren't perfectly suited to be partners. And partly because my drive to have a relationship that's focused on personal growth is much stronger than his. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so after we split up and he was already dating the amazing woman who became his wife and the mother of his two children now, um, we were having a conversation because we were splitting up the house. And uh, and I said something about 
personal growth. I don't remember what I said, honestly, but it was something about personal growth in the context of relationship. And, and he said, yeah, we don't, we don't really care about that, meaning him and his wife, I mean, yeah. girlfriend at the time. And I had this epiphany in that moment. It freed me because I saw that he is right in who he is, yeah. and I'm right in who I am, but these two rights don't fit. Right. And now he's yeah, exactly. with a woman and they have a beautiful relationship and amazing family. Like she's the right one for him. Yeah. yeah. And by us splitting up, it made that possible. And Patrick is the right one for me. And yeah. us splitting up made that possible because it, it yeah. finally cracked my stubbornness enough that I went and studied relationships yeah. and sexuality for two years to try to figure out why I kept messing it up. And then that led to relationship alchemy. It's led to my entire business. Like, thank God for my divorce. It's yeah. led to my entire business, shifted my coaching that I was doing into this new you know, direction. It brought me the love of my life, the best relationship I've ever had. That's the laboratory in which I figure out a lot of this stuff too. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had that had I clung as I was clinging to this death do us part, you know, vow yeah. that I internalized as being the only right way. And so I really want to say that sometimes a really I mean a relationship ending isn't necessarily a failure. Sometimes it's right. run its course and it's yeah. prepared you for your next stage. Margaret Mead, the cultural anthropologist, mm -hmm. yeah. said that humans will tend to have three marriages in their lifetime. One for love, one for parenting, and one for companionship. And if you're lucky, they're all with the same person. Yeah. But it's not a given, right? And so I didn't have children, so I kind of skipped the kids one. But, yeah. but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I've stuck with this idea of, you know, it, there's a, some people are there for a season, some people are there, you know, et cetera. Like, they're all the cliches yeah. about it. But, but I, I believe that until you start showing up in a relationship, as who you are and learn to navigate your own discomfort and reactivity skillfully, you don't know if this relationship is over or meant to continue until you do that work with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I know so often, you know, people are afraid to, to go there, like really afraid to, to disrupt the normalcy of their relationship. Like I've, I've, I've seen couples that have just sunken into a pattern over the years of just attacking one another and arguing all the time. And, and it's, and it's just so normal that when you try and bring up, well, maybe the two of you could change the way that you talk to each other. And maybe you could try and see the other person's point of view. It's like, they don't want to address the problem because then if they do there's that fear of the unknown that we all have that's Absolutely. our that's our you know basic brain function is keep you away from what's unfamiliar because anything unfamiliar means you know you could die so yeah uh, just so often people are afraid to even get into what it could mean because they're afraid to break up what's become comfortable and familiar that's so true and i and i see that all the time because we, we do. We go for what's comfortable, even if it's mm -hmm. ultimately not feeling good. We'd rather right. be with the thing we know than 
the unknown. The unknown yeah. is so much scarier. And so I, I tend to work really gently with people there. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not about doing violence or forcing yeah. anybody to shift a pattern. I'm really more interested in looking at, like I said earlier, about that couple that was locked in that critical dynamic and she began mm-hmm. to change and he mm-hmm. kept trying to interact with her in the old way because mm-hmm. he got energy from that. Right. So when you recognize like, oh, this pattern, I always ask like, well, what is this pattern giving you mm-hmm. that's positive? Like right. I know the pattern doesn't feel good, but there's some benefit to it. And once you start to understand what the benefit of the pattern is, oh, wow, yeah. you know what? I pick I pick at my partner to get a rise out of him because I like feeling that fire. Great. Yeah. Let's find other ways to get the fire out. Yeah. That don't feel shitty. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. so it's about really understanding what the pattern is giving you, what you're getting out of it, and then yeah. learning how to get that thing you want. It comes back to, again, your desire, learning how to get that desire met in other ways. You don't have to give up the desire to feel the fire. You just maybe don't have to pick at them to get it. You could just invite it differently. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Am I being clear there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Thinking, you know, thinking about how that, you know, that, uh, I guess, pattern that couples can get into of just arguing about everything and how they're, yeah, they're just, you know, so, so that might be their foreplay. Right. That might exactly. Be their yeah. Play. That was, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how they get their excitement. I, you know, I'm sure you've probably known couples. You may have coached some that have kind of a, a little bit dysfunctional relationship around that. They, you know, they like to fight to get each other excited and then that's how they do things. But sometimes that could be a little unhealthy, but right. aside from that, still, you know, bringing some passion and excitement into your relationship to help replace that need to get energized by arguing could be exactly it's not you know you don't want to shame the need you just want to find another way to meet it yeah that doesn't makes everybody a little more happy that doesn't break all your plates right that you're not throwing (laughs) all your plate right like you want to find a way to meet that need without having to throw the plates for example (laughs) yeah yeah well and, and that's funny so i don't I don't really get huge into astrology and signs and all that, but I am a Scorpio and I've been told that that means that, so you're going to be like super volatile and which, mm. you know, I can be very exciting and I can be very excitable, but so often, you know, I think people think in order to have any sort of like passion in your relationship that you have to be somewhat of a, I guess, I don't know, like mood swing type person, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be this person that's very intense and can be very negative, but I think you can have tons of passion in a relationship without all that other drama, that unnecessary anger and violence that go, you know, sometimes hand in hand with that concept of what passion is. Yeah. I think, I think the, it, it it's, it depends on your stage of evolution really mm-hmm. in, a, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, so at, at a certain stage of evolution, accessing that passion is going to look like drama. Yeah. You know, it, drama is the only way you know how. For many of yeah. us, it's where we start because that's yeah. what we saw growing up. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, drama is the way you do it, you know. Yeah. And as we learn more, then you can learn other ways to access that. And eventually drama kind of falls away. 
because it's no longer the lever you need to pull to get your desire met, which is the desire for passion or fire or connection or excitement. You find other ways to meet that. But I never like to make wrong where we start because we're, we we got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. And so I'm always more interested in like, okay, well, what is the thing that that behavior is trying to get you? And how yeah. do we get that need met some other way that feels better for both yeah. of you, for both of you feel better to you? Because, you know, there's also an addiction. Here's the thing. Our brains are mm-hmm. addicted to certain yeah. states. Yeah. And I know, like, I have an addiction to stress and overwhelm. <laughs> My brain recreates that state any chance it gets because that's where it's comfortable. And I've had to work for years yeah. to retrain my brain that ease is okay. It's not mm-hmm. dangerous. You know, yeah. moving from alignment, leaving myself enough time so I'm not scrambling in the last few minutes. You know, I, because your brain will set up everything you do to feel the way it likes to feel, which is the comfortable way that it's used to feeling. And so, so much of my work is about retraining people's brains to even want a different way of being and to build a gap between the automatic response, the automatic way that the brain drives us to do something, to build a gap between us so there's choice, and then choosing the new response. And you do that with tiny, tiny changes and tiny, tiny habits, because otherwise your brain's resistance will kick you right back where you started because it doesn't like change. So you have to make little changes that fly under the radar of your resistance. And so I take people through that whole way of change. And so it feels gentle, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, six months ago, I was in a totally different place than I am now. I don't quite know how it happened. You know, it didn't feel violent, but I just made some new choices and stuck with them. And now I'm able to have this different life that feels better. Yeah. So I think that's a key thing to remember is our brains really like homeostasis and we have to disrupt it in yeah. gentle ways. Yeah. Well, and yeah, have, it's those yeah. it's those incremental changes that build up to a greater, larger change. Obviously, we aren't born yeah. taking off running a marathon when we're first born. We have to take those small steps. First, we crawl and land on our face a lot and drool on the carpet. And then eventually, <laughs> we're, we start to walk and we fall a lot there and all that. So, yeah, it's just making those small changes over time. Then, you know, it's going to yeah. build up. But, you know, you have exactly. to start making the change. Well, you have to start with something, some yeah. small action. Yeah. And maybe that small action in your relationship is to commit to making a verbal appreciation to your partner every day. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate them out loud at least once a day. In many relationships, that's not happening. Yeah. So, you know, so much can change just by shifting that one little thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for doing that. That has me feel yeah. so loved. Yeah. Wow, you remembered to pick up X, Y, you know, the water from the store. Thank you. Yeah. Right? Not in a snide way, in a genuine yeah. way. Not, oh, wow, like, it's a miracle. You remember Oh, that. wow, look at you. You remembered <laughs> to pick up the thing. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. not that. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, but like it, actually it, meaning it, <laughs> actually meaning it, expressing yeah. genuine appreciation, that one yeah. shift does wonders. Yeah. And it's one. And, and sometimes you have to overcome a ton of discomfort to do it. And that's good. That's good yeah. discomfort because that shows you where you've been locked in a pattern. Yeah. And for everyone listening to this, one thing I can recommend after having a successful relationship with an amazing woman for a long period of time, every day, start your day before you do anything else, give each other a hug. <laughs> and yeah. there's more to hugs than just hugging. I'm also a fanatic about hugging a certain way. So we always hug to, so in other words, you go to your right. The other person always goes to their right. That way, your left side is touching their left side. So your hearts oh, are touching. So your heart to heart. So, so you I love that. Do that. Always do that. Oh, that's beautiful. Little tip for our listeners. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's so. those little rituals of connection like that. Yeah. That just keep the, that keep the connection flowing between you. So between mm -hmm. hugging in the morning, expressing at least one appreciation, and, um, and and well, gratitude. I always come back to gratitude. Gratitude and appreciation are very close, you know. But yeah. just remembering to be curious would be the other mm -hmm. one. It's like, oh wow, you know, here's this person who has a whole different way of seeing things than I do. Get curious about it instead of shaming it. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, yeah. I didn't have that response to that. Tell me more about that. That's so interesting. Yeah, like you get to know their brain, which is different than your brain, and it's fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think tell me more about that is another really key phrase to keep in your lexicon of connecting yeah. phrases. Yeah. That's interesting. What are you talking about? Tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Instead of what like, are you talking about? You're crazy. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the first one sounds better. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it sure feels better to the recipient. Sure feels better. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. What's well, funny, you know, we're so we're so we're kind of coming full circle. Like, you know, everything that, you know, that I that I hear that we're talking about keeps coming back to being curious about yourself, curious in the relationship, and and really learning all about yourself, like looking inside to to really get familiar with yourself. So that obviously brings me to the point of so in your coaching that you do with clients or with yourself, have you ever had any wild experiences with meditation or looking inside to get familiar with oneself, either, you know, be it you or your clients? Well, I, the, the, the experience that popped into my mind as you, as you said that was um, there was a morning where I popped my head in the bedroom and Patrick was meditating and I went back in the other room and I texted him so that he would get the text when he came out. Yeah. Uh, and I texted him saying, hey, I have a desire to go to Bluestone Lane for breakfast on our way to this other errand we were doing. You know, do you think we can do, do you think we have time to do that? So Patrick comes out of meditation and we get ready and we're going, we're actually going to Bluestone Lane because we did have time. And casually by the elevator, he says, yeah, you know, Bluestone Lane floated across my awareness while I was in meditation. And I thought, I wonder if we'll have time to go there before our errand. He received my text without even knowing I sent it. He just got yeah. it in his meditation. Like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff happens between us all the time. 
Yeah. Or, you know, just just yesterday I was thinking about a former client and and picked up my phone to text her and say, Hey, I'd love to catch up with you. How are you doing? Let's have a call. And she had she had just texted me. When I picked up oh. my phone, there was a text from her. And we hadn't yeah. talked in a long time, right? Yeah. That I I I love meditation for the that kind of opening it facilitates us in having yeah well you know we're just you know basically we're big satellite dishes yes. and we're sending out <laughs> signals everywhere we're receiving them all the time and we are creating our own reality whether we know it or not whether we're conscious yeah. of it or not we are doing it and so why not get curious and learn how to use your mind so that you can actually create the reality that you want. <laughs> right. Have more, have more choice with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, great. Beautifully said. I love that. We're satellites. We totally are. That's so funny. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we're just giant energetic beings, you know, we're constantly. Well, and usually there's just so much static and noise in the way, right? There's like, so much static and noise in the way that we can't, that we don't hear. And so yeah. that's the other thing that I love about practice is it helps to kind of clear out some of that static and that noise so you can hear yeah. yourself more clearly and your antenna becomes better at, at feeling, you yeah. know, Patrick can hear me even when he's meditating or, you know, I can feel my client and or I think of her and she thinks of me at the same time or whatever that is, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm probably dating myself here a little bit, but, you know, I think of it in, in like in terms of tuning a radio, you don't have to Me do too. that anymore. You just have presets, you know, but right. back in the old days when you had to turn a knob and it would turn a dial and you would try, but, yep. but out there all the time, there's all these waves, these energy waves, these radio waves coming at you. And so the goal with meditation is learning how to tune the radio so that you're yeah. now receiving the signal that you want. You're sending the signal that you want. You're not just being yeah. bombarded with everything and everything's just static. Oh, beautiful image. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Yeah. That's for our older listeners who know what radios are. <laughs> yes. Like this those of you who remember. <laughs> before Spotify, before iTunes, all, not that there's anything wrong with that since they host our oh, podcast. Oh, no, it's but all good. I'm saying, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's a different time. Yeah. All I'm, right, I'm, a well, radio, I'm a radio gal myself from back in the day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, or like back when, you know, you just were at the mercy of whatever was playing on the radio. Right. There was no, there was no curating. There was no on <laughs> was, demand. Yeah, it was, it was simply whatever was playing was what you were going to listen to, and you had your three or four stations you could switch between. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> long time ago. Oh well, long time ago. All right. So um, one thing uh, that you know I always like to do as we get close to the end here. I know we're getting close to our time, but, you know, I always like to just say a quick thank you, not just for being on the show, but, you know, everything that you're doing. I think it's, I think it's so important that couples and people within their relationships get really curious about themselves and get really curious about how to be the best part of themselves, to be the best version of themselves and bring that to the relationship. And the work that you're doing as a relationship alchemist is really teaching people how to I mean, just really transform their relationships, not just with themselves, but with other people. And so, I mean, thank you for, you know, for that work that you're doing, because it is something that's just not really taught in mainstream yeah. knowledge. So, you know, what you're doing is, is, is really make a huge difference. So thank you for, for all that work that you're doing. 
Appreciate it. That feels so good to receive. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, getting on to the last bit, I'll, I'll, I, I first really want people to learn how to, how to work with you, how they can connect with you. Um, yeah. So if there's anything you'd like to share about how people can connect. You bet. Well, the best way to get started is with my free quiz. So in my work, I've developed, uh, I've, I've recognized four stages of consciousness that we tend to be in in terms of how we show up in our relationships. And this quiz assesses that. It's called What's Your Relationship Style? And oh, it's yeah. available at my website, which is relationshipalchemy.com. And when you take this quiz, you'll see where your primary stages that you tend to be in and also what to work on to progress and expand into other stages. And I want to say that these stages of content, you know, growth isn't a linear process. So it's not like you get to alchemy, which is the final stage, and stay there. You know, some difficult thing can happen in your life and you'll revert to an earlier stage because you've been traumatized and you feel hit and then you need to work your awareness back to, oh, yes, right, I am creating this. Life is for me. You know, you have to work yourself back to that awareness. Yeah. So uh, so I want to say that, first of all. And second of all, um, you can be in different stages in different parts of your life as well. So you might be very aware and skillful and on top of your game, let's say at work, but relationship is where you're more challenged and that's where you tend to be expressing more of your historical, conditioned, familial, cultural patterns. And so then you know, oh yeah. So so all that to say, take the quiz. It's mm-hmm. fun, it's quick, and you'll receive follow-up uh, training on the different stages and how they how they express and what to do to progress and um so that's available there and then also really you can reach out to me there's a contact form uh on the website as well just reach out to me if you have any questions from this episode or want to share uh you know share uh what you loved or a takeaway that you want to talk further about please do reach out there's a contact form right there at relationshipalchemy.com. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's great. So, right. And so in terms of how you mentioned how to work with me, I work privately with people. And I also work uh, with small groups of women mm-hmm. and all women. Uh, so trans women are welcome and non-binary folks who are comfortable in spaces that center women are, are also welcome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have various times of the year, I have small groups starting. So, uh, Love Catalyst is a six-week group that's about rekindling, you know, catalyzing more love in your relationship that might feel flat or disconnected. And Relationship Alchemy is a deeper dive group that's a six-month group that really teaches all these principles in a group format. And again, you can always work with me privately as well. I take a few private clients at a time. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody that's listening right now, make sure to hop over to Relationship Alchemy and check out the quiz, find out exactly what your relationship style is. And then of course, you know, connect with uh, Marie Elizabeth. They could find you on Instagram and Facebook, I'm assuming. They can. Instagram is emimali108. And that's the same on LinkedIn. And on Facebook, my page is emimali coach. And you're welcome to follow my private profile. I'm not really accepting 
new friends right now, but you're welcome yeah. to follow my profile there. And I do want to say that I do work with men privately. It's not in the front of my marketing, but mm-hmm. I do love to work with men. Um, I, in fact, last night I dreamed that I never remember my dreams. Maybe it was because I was going to be on this podcast today. I wonder, yeah. but I never remember my dreams. The last night I dreamt that a, a male coach came to me and said, hey, um, I'd like you to assess how I hug. And I said, sure. And so we hugged and, and he sat down and he was like, so? And I said, well, you know, for, for a normal person, like your hug is good. Like, you don't, you're not gripping too tight and your whole body, you're not keeping your pelvis away in that weird, awkward way that people do. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah, it's just so weird. You know, you, you like all of that feels good, but because I'm somebody who feels stuff, uh, I will tell you that it feels like your energy is in your chest and above. And he was like, wow, that's true. And, and I said, um, and it feels like you're hugging me with your extrinsic muscles and I can't really feel you. And, and the impression that I get is that you're trying too hard. So I recommend that you take a ballroom dancing class that you start. This is all happening in my dream. I never remember my dreams, much less dialogue. I recommend that you study ballroom dancing because the formality of the form is one thing you got to get the form but what makes the dance beautiful is the ability to flow on the inside within that form your ability to be fluid and move within that form and that's what's going to help you hug better yeah isn't that amazing (laughs) so that's the invitation to the men in your audience um, that come (laughs) let's talk let's teach you how to flow better on the inside um Because I really woke up with that question, like, wow, does this mean I should be coaching men too? I'm wondering, because I I do occasionally do that. Uh, So anyway, I wanted to share that because it was just so present for me, this dream and the dialogue so clear. Well, it's too funny that, you know, during our conversation, I ended up talking about hugging and who knows, maybe somewhere, somewhere out there, you know, we, we I, well, when you energy, did, when you, know? you when yeah. you brought up hugging, I immediately yeah. flashed on that dream. I'm like, I was like, yeah. wow, if there's a chance to share this dream somewhere, because yeah. clearly we were both on this hugging yeah. station, on the station of <laughs> hugging. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. So great. All right. All right, we've come to the end. Our, our final question that we ask everybody, um, what does it mean to you? Knowing that you know we're unlimited in our potential as human beings, but what does it mean to maximize your human potential? Well, to me, it means to strip away, it, you know, to strip away everything that lies in the way of it. So rather than, what, because when I hear the question, maximize your, your unlimited potential, it has me feel like, oh, wow, I need to do a bunch of things and I need to get this and I need to learn that. And I tend to be a very acquisitive learner anyway. Yeah. And what I've learned, what I have learned is that maxing my potential in my case, and I think true for a lot of us, has more to do with removing the barriers, mm-hmm. with letting go of what's covering it so that it can naturally shine so that it because it's just there it's unlimited potential it's there we don't have to get anything to have it it's what's there it's who we are so the process is more of a stripping away an uncovering a letting go a releasing of all the egoic layers that have been placed on top of it throughout our life uh that 
as we do that, as we shed, we access it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That is a that is a really, really great explanation of it. And it and it and it makes me think of like how when they ask Michelangelo, well, how do you make these great sculptures? He's just like the angel, the whatever is already there in the marble. It's just my job to get still and learn how to bring it out. And that's that's it. really what it is, just pulling away all how the I see unnecessary things. That's yeah. it. And that's how I see relationship too, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that amazing, lovable, loving and lovable person is already here. We don't have to do anything to be lovable. We just have yeah. to shed the unlove that we were taught. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's our, it's our natural state to be connected to other people, to love other people, to receive love. It's our natural state. We just have to get rid of the old programming that might have got put in there along the way that taught us to yeah. fear and not want to open up and that sort of thing. So, yeah. It's beautifully great. said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for being on the podcast today. We, we really appreciate it. So again, yeah, all of our listeners right now, they're listening to this episode, please make sure to correct uh, to connect with um, Marie Elizabeth as soon as you get a chance, not just so that if you want to be in a great relationship with someone else, but if you're ready to be in a great relationship with yourself. Um, so just, yeah, do that as, as soon as you get off this podcast episode, go check her out, fall in love with her. I may just have did. a workshop coming up. So check it out when you All get right. off the podcast, do check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You heard it, everybody. Keep an eye <laughs> out for that. <laughs> yeah, stop awesome. really. This has been... I, one of my favorite conversations ever. I just, I can't even yeah. be, believe we get to have this conversation in yeah, this way, sure. in this format. And I'm so excited yeah. for your audience to, to get to uh, implement some of the tips and things we talked about and to see their lives change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thank you for being here and sharing this amazing information. You know, we, we, we always want to bring people on the show that can share some really great knowledge with our listeners, but also inspire them to take some action in their lives. And, you know, I hope everybody that's listening right now will take the quiz to find out exactly what their relationship style is. And again, whether you're single or in a relationship, it's going to benefit you. So just go take the quiz, do it now. Don't wait. Well, you know, after you finish with the, <laughs> with the episode. <laughs> yeah, thank All you. Right. And thank you for, for the, uh, you know, for the, for the hypnosis meditations that you offer alongside of these interviews. I just love that you offer so yeah. many different types of formats for people. Yeah, we're, we're doing our best to show everybody that there's not one specific type of meditation or one specific way to access your mind. Um, there's many, many different ways and you fig, you know, you figure out what works best for you and it's going to make you better in your life. It's going to make you better in yeah. your relationships. So yeah, it's all part of it. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. We, 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 we look forward to keeping in contact and we definitely got to have you back on the show again in the future. So keep that, keep that in mind. And until then we will, we will say goodbye for this particular episode. <laughs> thank you Scott alright thank you Marie Elizabeth thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast and share it with the people you love most 
And if you want to learn more about how you can program your mind to unlock your unlimited potential and create the life you really want, then check out the Heavily Meditated Mentorship at heavilymeditatedpodcast.com forward slash mentorship. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast.